Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Now, I want to make sure that I prepare you. This is a study that we're launching today entitled The Invitation. And the book of Acts, thank you, buddy. The book of Acts gives us unbelievable direction on what it is to walk and live in the Spirit of God. Now, uh, a little backdrop here. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible, then, then in the New Testament, you start off with four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, we refer to those as the Gospels because all four books are dedicated, written by these four different authors. All of them are dedicated to the life and ministry and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And so when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're written uniquely, but they've all been penned after being directed and guided by God's Spirit. So when, when people refer to the Bible as the Word of God, what they're saying is, I recognize that God himself has really authored these writings, but he chose to use men so that they could pen them. So when you hear the gospel writings, the dedication of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are about the story of Jesus. Now, the fifth book in the New Testament, when we go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then we take a hard right turn and we get into the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is written by the same guy who wrote the book of Luke, and his name is... Okay, this is what happens in church when you're not sure of the answer. When a third of you mumble, Jesus... And like two or three of you are like, Luke, but I can't believe the rest of them don't know it. Or you sit there and go, hmm, which is kind of what I do. Like when I don't know the, the words to a song, Jen says, I just sing anyway. I mean, really, she, every now and then she'll look at me and say, you have no idea what you're singing, do you? I'm having fun. Life's good. But in the book of Acts... You take this hard right turn, and Dr. Luke continues his writing. Now, here's what happens. If the first four books are dedicated to the gospel message of Jesus, born of a virgin, never sinned, shared, ministered, preached, and performed miracles that were blew, blow people's minds, crucified, buried, risen, and the, the message of the gospel is all of that is for you, for the forgiveness of your sins, so that you might live in this life in community and in right relationship with God the Father because God the Son, Jesus, came. That message of the gospel is more than just death, burial, and resurrection. It is because of the death, burial, and resurrection that we can walk in, lean into, rest in, count on, abide in the presence and power of Jesus. And so now the, the gospel writers and the disciples are completely in shambles because clearly what we see here is that Jesus has indeed died like he said he would. Jesus indeed has risen from the grave as he said he would. And over the next 40 days, hundreds of people experience life with Jesus, eating, hearing, teaching, living, breathing, and they know that hundreds of people, not just biblically, but historically, through these 40 days, hundreds of people have seen the risen Jesus. So we know that not only, not only biblically, but historically, we know Jesus was crucified. We know Jesus was buried. We know Jesus has risen from the dead. And now what happens? Because the disciples are like everybody who was a follower of Jesus at the time. They're scared to death. 
Because in that time, as they were told by Jesus to stay here in Jerusalem, they're trying to think, what on earth are we going to do? Our leader is gone. We've walked with him. We saw him when he walked by the fields. Let's talk about grain. When he walked by a fig tree, let's talk about fruit. When he went to the tomb of Lazarus and he said, come out. And a dead man of four days came out. When he stopped with a woman taking her dead son to be buried and he told that son to rise out of that casket and he did. When he, when he went to a centurion's home and, and looked at his little girl who the whole world thought was dead and he said, she's just sleeping, get up and they did. When, when the man was lowered down through the ceiling on a stretcher and lay there and he never had strength in his feet or his ankles and Jesus said, get up, take your mat and walk, he did. And, and, and in all of that, they've seen it. They have tangibly touched it. They've lived with it. They've walked with it. And now Jesus has gone and yet he's arisen and they're trying to wrap their head around, what do we do with this? Isn't it odd that the same people who walked with him day after day after day, the same people who tangibly, literally saw the, the deaf here to be able to see the blind see, to be able to see the lame walk, to see the dead come alive. And there they were in the middle of all of that. And now they're still dazed and confused. What are we going to do? And then the acts happen. Now, most of your Bibles in the title calls it the Acts of the Apostles, but that's not really an accurate title because this is really the Acts of the Spirit of God. This is the Acts of the Holy Spirit because the teaching goes from all about Jesus to the one that Jesus is saying, wait on, and I'm going to send you from the Father, the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us, if you grew up in a, in a more fundamentalist home like I did, we were scared to death of the Holy Spirit. Because what we knew of the Holy Spirit is, is in often cases, what you saw from TV preachers, right? I mean, selling prayer hankies and oil and slapping somebody on the head and going crazy on TV. And isn't that what you imagine? I mean, seriously, when you hear the Holy Spirit, I can see those dudes. Boom, behave. You know, and then all that happens. You know, nobody had to hit me. N nobody had to swing from a chandelier for me. Nobody had to run an aisle. Nobody had to run around the church. Nobody had to shout weird stuff. You know what happened to me? I came to the realization at a Bill Glass crusade that it was my sin that caused Jesus to have to die and shed his blood. And when I realized it was my sin, then I realized the Romans didn't kill Jesus. The Jews didn't kill Jesus. I killed Jesus. My sin caused him to leave heaven's throne, to be born in a stable, to die on an old wooden cross, to be buried in a borrowed tomb, to raise from that tomb and go to prepare a place for all who believe. And those believers are ones that said, please forgive me my sin. Come live in my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I'm tired of trying to live for me. I want to live for you, make a U-turn with their life and choose Jesus. And when that happens, according to the promise of God, I received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't need monkeys. I didn't need oil. I didn't need a pool and I didn't need a hanky. All I needed was a repentant heart that said, I'm a sinful person in need of God's grace found in the presence of Jesus, my Savior, period. End of story. And you say, well, well, how does all that stuff happen? I have no idea. Why, why do folks go all crazy about it? I have no idea. Really, I, 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 really, I don't get it. See, watch this. To believe that, I can do something to have more of God's spirit than you can 
literally puts God in a box that says, I can make his spirit work for me. And that is not how it works. God will do as God pleases. And it is a gift by which we get to receive the power of his spirit, period. You don't have to add to it. You don't have to subtract from it. And when you take a look at what the scripture says, it starts to make all kind of sense. So in the book of Acts, in chapter 1, beginning of verse 4, we read this text. This is what you have heard from me. Now, who's talking here? Jesus, this is what you've heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, watch this. What, what Jesus is saying is the picture of baptism is what we begin with. And when I leave this place, I want you to do that like I did and I commanded you to. And as we will later, I want you to remember me like I had with the, the disciples, communion and the Lord's Supper. But I need you to wait because as you wait, I need you to be prayerfully prepared for the coming of my spirit. And so we see in there, wait, in a few days from now, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. It is God the Father, our creator. It is God the Son, Jesus, our Savior. It is God the Holy Spirit, our keeper. When we receive the Spirit of God, you can't do anything to make that happen. It is literally a gift from God for every believer who claims Jesus as Savior, and they've become a Christian because by their faith, they have asked Christ to forgive them of their sins. Now, anything we try to add to that, I'll promise you, is extra biblical. Anything we take away from it is unbiblical. And so when you look at this, you realize that what we have here is that the Spirit of God, A, is, is something we shouldn't fear. The Spirit of God is something we should welcome. We, we should welcome because Jesus has just given us a gift. You say, well, what kind of gift is it? Well, let's take a look. Look in, uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can follow on the screen or in the app. John chapter 14, verse 26 says this, but the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Now watch this. What Jesus is saying is, because you've trusted me, because you're walking with me, because even though your head's trying to wrap all around all that's going on around the world, he says, I'm going to send you, number one, an advocate. Now, I don't know about you, but everybody I know needs an advocate. You know what an advocate is? Someone who speaks for you. Not someone who speaks about you, not someone who speaks against you, somebody who speaks for you. You know what an advocate does? An advocate makes your case even when your case isn't that great. Like the Spirit comes and is our advocate to bring testimony to us that we are to live and walk in the presence and the power of Jesus, nothing more, nothing less. We all need an advocate. Don't we have plenty of people that can speak against us? In this case, Jesus is saying, I'm sending you an advocate who is there for you. This is your trial lawyer. When, when you're in sin, when you're in a problem, when you have a, this is your advocate. The spirit of God I'm sending you is that. Now watch what else it says. It says the father's going to send the, the spirit of God in the name of Jesus. You know how I know that? Because watch this. How many parts are there to an apple? Skin, meat, core. If you take the skin, the meat, and the core of an apple and you put it all together, what do you have? An apple. How many apples do you have if you have one skin, one core, and one core, and, and one meat? What do you have? One apple. Now watch this. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, one God, 
all three come together on your behalf. The Old Testament refers to the spirit of God falling on Old Testament heroes. On, the, on King David, the spirit of God fell. On Joseph, the spirit of God fell. On Gideon, the spirit of God fell. On Moses, the spirit of God fell. Now watch the difference though. In the Old Testament, the spirit of God falls on people. And in the New Testament, the spirit of God falls on people and then resides in people. This is a real different turn. Because see, watch this. If Jesus came so that he could shed his blood so that you might have forgiveness of your sin, then he said, I'm going to give you this advocate. And that advocate in your life is going to remind you of all the things that I've taught you. So what Jesus has done is he's saying, I'm going to complete this act by leaving you with a part of me so that the Spirit of God can be your advocate and will always remind you of everything I've already taught you. Now, how many of you remember, like, let's, let's say you're over 40, right? How many of you are over 40? Over 40? Okay, yeah. Okay, let's just say, how many of you people that are over 40 remember how to do seventh grade math? Can I see your hands? Liars. And so, um, I mean, seriously, some of the stuff I learned, I just need help with. Like when our girls were, were like in elementary school, I, seriously, I would do a report for them and get a D. It's like, what in the world? I mean, I want to go to the teacher and gripe about that. I did it, right? And I know what the teacher would say. Well, that's why it stunk, right? I've had a, at least 20 of you send me an email about my blog. They said, oh, I love your blog, but you know nothing about punctuation or grammar, do you? Not only that, I don't care, right? But watch this. If you're wondering what I should do, which way I should turn, should I take the job, should I move, should I, should I ask that person to marry me, should I, what should I do, how do I counsel my kid, what do I do? You know what, the answer is Jesus said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so he can remind you of everything I taught you. And the Spirit of God is there for you. Now, now watch this. this is, I, I absolutely love this. In John 15, 26, here's what the scripture says. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. And then in John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So I have an advocate that is for me. I have an advocate that's reminding me of how it is to walk and live in the power of Jesus. And now I have an advocate that's going to make sure I know what is truth and what isn't. So if, if, you're, if you're looking at choice, have, I guarantee you, most all of us have done this. Right before you did something, you thought to yourself, don't do it. Don't do it. And then you did it. And, and you're thinking, why did I do that? Now watch this. When your decision is directed by the Spirit of God, that is the tension you feel. Don't do it don't do it. The spirit of God is not going to just slap you upside the head and say, don't do it. You fool. Here's exactly what's going to happen. If you do it, the spirit of God is there to remind you so that you can make a choice to live for Christ because he's, he's your advocate. He's speaking truth into your soul. And guess what else he's doing? He's reminding you of the Jesus way. So when we turn from that, what we're actually saying is, okay, Holy spirit, I know you're there. I'm going to trust you for heaven. I'm going to trust you that Sunday morning is going to be cool, but on this one, I'm doing it anyway. And, and that's called pride. That, that, is, that is why the scriptures say that, that what comes right after pride is we fall. 
we stumble. We stumble when we don't let the Spirit of God direct us. You know, I would say 75% of the marriages that are in trouble that wind up in my office are not there because of an affair. They're not there because of pornography. They're not there because of money or kids or blended families. Most of them are there because of communication. And inevitably, what I find is that somebody, one of those spouses when they're home is totally disengaged from the spouse. They're, they're in their phone all night. They're on their computer all night. They're, they're, they're up to something else. They don't communicate. They don't talk. And, and before you know it, what happens is that margin gets wider and wider and wider between them. And intimacy is gone because communication is stopped. And what happens is you take the love and you take the value and you take the intimacy that's designed to be in a relationship that's most important, built on love. And what you've done is you totally devalue it because you said, it's not important for me to spend time with you. And the next thing you know, somebody's picking a date and you're seeing the kids every third weekend when it was about value. Listen, when we say no to the Spirit of God and His presence and His power, you know what we're saying? I got this. I don't really need you, Jesus. I mean, that's cool that you died for me for heaven. I mean, cool, I'm, I'm taking that. But right now, I need to lead me. Let me stop. And, and without humor and without sarcasm, let me say this with, with as much edge as I can. How's that working for you? Because if you're like me, every time I take a step when I know the Spirit of God saying don't, I totally blow it. Scripture keeps on going. It gets even better. Back in the book of Acts in chapter 1 in verse 8, we find the crux of the first chapter of the book of Acts. It says, but you will receive power. And I love that. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now watch this. I, I, I want to give this, I want to leave that slide up, guys. Thank you. I, 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 want, I want you to make sure that, that you heard what it says. But you will receive, I want you to say that next word with me, power. I don't know anybody that doesn't need more power. I don't know anybody. I mean, like Jenny drives a sewing machine they call a Honda, right? Like when you punch the Honda, I mean, you wait a little while. Right? I mean, you learn. You don't just punch it and cut across because that car isn't going to hit you and you got enough power to get there. If you punch it, no, it's, you're in trouble. Right? I drive a, a great six-cylinder truck, and it's got enough power, but it's not like when I punch it, you know, I can feel it. So a couple months ago, I, I brought a car in, and, and, and Rusty's shop was working on it, and he said, hey, man, why don't you just use my car? Rusty drives a Chevrolet SS with about 500 horsepower. When you crank Rusty's car, this is what it sounds like. You just feel like a man. I mean, seriously, I, I'm, I am Rambo when I get behind Rusty's car, right? So, um, so yeah, it'd be great. So we swap keys and cars. Hey, man, I'll see you later. And it's good. So I get in his car. It takes me, I crank it about three times just to hear it, right? But then I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to drive Satellite Boulevard all the way from Duluth up here to where the quick trip is down on 20, right? So when I pulled out of that light, you know what I did? I punched it. Did you know how cool life can be at 120? <laughs> Sorry, bud. I left at least half of the rubber on his car at the light and there were people frightened of me 
and it felt good. Because when you got power, you know what you do? You use it. You know why I don't punch it in the sewing machine? It doesn't have any power. When I get in Rusty's car, blah, 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 blah. I mean, just nothing says I love America more than that. Listen to me. The spirit of the holy God has come to you that you might have power. That you, yes, you might have power. You see, the progression looks like this. Jesus, here's the gospels laid out in four books where we know Jesus came and gave his life that we might have life, that we might have eternity. And then he said, but I'm not done yet. I am going to leave. I'm going to sit by the father and I'm going to prepare a place for all those that choose to live for me. And guess what? I'm going to leave you the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to give you power. And in that power, he's going to give you direction. And in that power, he's going to do three extraordinary things in our life. Wait a minute, though. Wait a minute, Chuck. I got, I, here's where I'm hung up in that Acts 1-8, Chuck. It says that I'm going to be a witness. That can't be good. A witness. Have you ever been called to be on a witness stand? I've only done it once in my life. When I was about 21 or two, I, I was at a Chevron store between Snellville and Stone Mountain. And it was kind of right where uh, Mountain Industrial Boulevard kind of trims down to, at that point, a two-lane, which is really a long time ago. But I'm in the Chevron store, and I'm trying to pick one of 80 different flavors of Gatorade. And dude behind me, gun, the whole deal is robbing the store. And I'm thinking, I'm going to die right here, so I'm going to go with the green Gatorade. <laughs> so... So I watch the whole thing, and I get called to the witness stand. It is as creepy as you think. And you're sitting there, and dude's looking at you. And, and dude, who knows he's guilty, I know he's guilty. Frankly, I think everybody knows he's guilty. And they're waiting on me to say it's that dude. Now, when I say it's that dude, I'm thinking, dear Lord, convict him. Right? Because, see, I, I witnessed it. But now, here's what I want to make sure you understand. The word witness... I think many of us that grew up in church, we hear witness and we think of gospel tracts. Do you know for sure if you were to die, you go to heaven today? But the word witness comes from the Greek word that gave us the word martyr, to witness with our life and our lips. You see, the reason someone is martyred is because they acted on their faith. They acted on what motivated their heart. Witness came from the Greek word martus. Martus is where we get martyr, and martyr is what we understand as someone who is witnessing with their life. So let me just stop there. Would anybody look at your life and be amazed at your witness? Would anybody look at your life and say, I, I, I'm walking and living for Jesus, and wow, this is wonderful. The people were captivated by their witness. But they were also captivated by their lips because they preached. And you say, well, Chuck, I don't, I don't really get it. You're going to receive power of the Holy Spirit. And what does that really mean? Did you know that only 53% of American Christians believe it's a responsibility to share about their faith? I got one more startling. Did you know that only 3% of American evangelical churchgoers believe they will ever share their faith with their lips? And yet, Jesus said, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you an advocate. 
I'm going to give you truth. I'm going to give you direction. There are times when I'm going to correct you. There are times when I'm going to encourage you, but it's all for you. And what we do is say, nah, I'm good. I got this. You shall receive power, the power of the Holy Spirit. How is it going to happen? It's going to come upon you. You see, Jesus gave us the promise of power. He said, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you an advocate. I'm going to give you truth. The Holy Spirit is longing to give you those things. They did, those guys had no more power than you have available to you today. The question will be, do you do anything with the power? Or do you, do you get in Rusty's SS and creep along at 20 miles an hour? What a waste of good horsepower to just let it sit there and do nothing. I can't imagine how the spirit must feel deep in the recesses of your soul saying, let's do this. Come on, let's go. Serve that person. Care for that person. Be an encouragement to that person. Invite that person. Tell that person about Jesus. Openly talk about God. Pray together. And we're saying, how do I do this preacher? Listen to the spirit. He's not playing hide and seek from you, I promise. He is longing for you to allow him to lead you well. But you pick, you say, well, Chuck, I'd like some of that power. I want some of that power. Okay, Acts chapter four, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. You see that? They prayed. Would you take out that little bulletin that says uh, the invitation on it and grab pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, whatever you got? I want to give you three words I want to ask you to write down. Then I'm going to ask you to grab one of those magnets and I want you to take the three words I'm asking you to write down on this bulletin and put that magnet, put it on your fridge this week. Number one, you know how they were walking in power and living in power? They were praying. You cannot be a powerful person until you're a prayerful person. You say, well, Chuck, I'm not really sure I know how to pray. Okay, let's start with this. Thank the Lord with a spirit of gratitude for whatever you have. Thank the Lord. Start, start praying with a spirit of gratitude. You know what I've discovered? When you're grateful for what you have, it's more than enough. Start by being grateful. Secondly, go to forgiveness. Lord, search my heart. Like King David said, search my heart. Find every wicked way. Tell me about that through your spirit so I can ask for forgiveness. The second thing, word I want you to write down is not just pray. I want you to write down prepare. You see, the reason Jesus was saying to them, wait, wasn't because he wanted them to have a break. It wasn't because he wanted them to be in a sense of inactivity. Jesus told them to wait so that their hearts would be prepared, not just for the receipt of the Holy Power, but the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, Chuck, how do I prepare? Okay, listen to scripture. Just, we've made it easy for you, this five minute podcast. Listen to scripture, five minutes every day. Try to do it in the morning. If it's your run, your walk, if it's, if it's your ride in, whatever it is, listen. And then secondly, respond. When you're in scripture, you're reading or you're listening or preferably both, ask yourself, what is God revealing to me in that scripture? Don't try to understand what the Greek is. Don't try to figure out the Hebrew in it. Lord, what is it you're trying to tell me in that piece of scripture? Now watch this. If indeed you claim to be a Christian, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus and you have done that, the spirit of God, when you ask him to reveal what it means to you, he will. 
And if you ask the Spirit of God to reveal to you what he's trying to tell you in Scripture and you come away and you have no clue, I want to ask you to drop back and ask the first question. Do you know you're a Christian then? Do you know that the Holy Spirit resides within you? Because it doesn't reside within you until you've trusted Jesus, until you've chosen forgiveness, until you've repented and turned from your sin and said, Jesus, I need you. That's when the Holy Spirit shows up in power. And then third, share. Pray, prepare, and share. And you say, well, Chuck, listen, okay, I'm out. I'm not, I'm not like you. I don't do the Bible thing. I don't know it well enough to try to do that. Make it easy on you. Number one, how, how about you do this? How about you just use one of those cards that are bundled back there at the table with the magnets and just hand it to somebody and say, love to have, have you come. Or if you're going to leave a, a good tip, leave that with, with your tip. If you're chintzy, don't, don't be tagging our church with it. <laughs> you know who you are. Share. So just invite. And then secondly, serve. You see, the Spirit of God is always about the purpose of God. And the purpose of God is about choosing to use his people as a part of his redemptive plan to seek and to save that which was lost in love and in person. And so today, in Judea and Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world, it could sound like this, in Sugar Hill and Swanee and Buford and even Los Angeles around the world, be about the power of the Spirit of God moving and acting in your life. Father, we love you. And I pray today we would make the choice to follow you, to live for you. And Lord, I pray if there are people here today that uh, they're just not even sure. Do I have Jesus? Do I have the Spirit? Would you reveal that to them now? That they might say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying for me and thank you for raising from the dead for me. That they might choose Jesus today and in turn receive your Spirit. I pray we'd have the have the courage to trust the Spirit of God, to walk in the Spirit of God. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.